Hey, Dave. Hey, Ryan. You know what time it is? Yeah, it's still time for the Twisted Crypt Haunted House. No way. Have they ever won any awards? Oh, my God, have they ever? This is their seventh season, and in the last six years, they've won top ten haunted house by hauntedillinois.com. Wow. What are their hours again? Oh, Fridays and Saturdays, 7 to 11.30, and Sunday, 7 to 10. But where are they located? Oh, it's easy. 5420 East State Street in Rockford, Illinois, right behind Uncle Nick's and Tom Jerry's. Awesome. I'll see you there. Hell yeah. Your guy or girl's got facial hair that's kind of not smelling right, not feeling right, not all that great. Go to phoenixbeardoils.com today. We've got scents that every guy and girl will like. Every kid likes to play with your beard. Why not give them something to smell nice as well? Go to phoenixbeardoils.com and give somebody that great bird today. Question, comment, or concern? 872-242-8311. Or maybe you'd just like to hear your voice instead of ours. 872-242-8311. Then call the D2R Podcast Network hotline at USA Chat 311. That's 872-242-8311. 872-242-8311. No matter the time or day, you can call 24-7 and operators will be standing by. 872-242-8311. Your call is important to us. 872-242-8311. So once again, USA Chat 311. 872-242-8311. 872-242-8311. 872-242-8311. Hey everyone, check out all the great deals on Amazon by first going to d2rpn.com and clicking the Amazon banner. By doing so, you're helping out the D2R Podcast Network. Don't forget to tell a friend and thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the chocolate room. Come with me and you'll be In a world of pure imagination Take a look and you'll see Into your imagination We'll begin with a spin Traveling in the world of my creation What we'll see will defy explanation. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to do it. Want to change the world There's nothing to it Mm -hmm. 
no life I know to compare with pure imagination. Living there, you'll be free if you truly wish to be. studio today it's just me ryan um but i've got an interesting little uh ditty of a podcast here for you um this episode is um well it's it's about the original willy wonka and the chocolate factory movie and the snowpiercer movie i'm assuming most of you have heard of both of these, maybe seen both of them. If you haven't, I'm going to play the trailers for each one, and by the end of this episode, you'll understand why. Um, so, let's see, where do I begin? Um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the movie. 1971 is when it came out, and uh, everybody pretty much knows... I'm assuming what that was, but if you don't, here's the a one-line synopsis. A poor but hopeful boy seeks one of the five coveted golden tickets that will send him on a tour of Willy Wonka's mysterious chocolate factory. Uh, it was based on a book uh, written by Roald Dahl, and uh, the book, I want to say, it looks like the original uh, publication the book was in 1964 so the book came out in 1964 movie in 1971 um then obviously they did the remake of the willy wonka and the chocolate factory uh with johnny depp uh which is actually more um more true to the the book version so the the 1971 version of willy wonka and the chocolate factory is um it's loosely based on the book, but the uh, Johnny Depp remake was uh, ironically more targeted to what the book was. Um, anyways, it's kind of interesting. So uh, let's let's play the uh, the trailer for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the 1971 version, and uh, you know, for those of you that haven't seen it in years or have maybe never seen it, here's the trailer.
does it make you feel to be the first golden ticket finder? Henry! Mike, the country wants to hear from you. The world is waiting. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. You're a rotten, mean fellow. You'll never give me anything I want. And I won't go to school till I have it. Violet. Call it, Mother. Open it, Charlie. Let's see that golden ticket. Wouldn't that be fantastic? It's not fair to raise his hopes. Never mind. Go on, open it, Charlie. I want to see that gold. Stop it, Dad. I've got the same chance as anybody else, haven't I? I never dreamed that I would climb over the moon in ecstasy, but nevertheless, it's there that I'm shortly about to be. Because I've got a golden ticket. I've got a golden chance to make my way. And with a golden ticket, it's a golden day. I'm so glad you could come. This is going to be such an exciting day. <laughs> Little surprises around every corner, but nothing dangerous. Don't be alone. <laughs> There's no earthly way of knowing <laughs> He's singing. which direction we are going. just heard that trailer for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Now, I'm going to play uh, the trailer for Snowpiercer in just a second. It came out in 2013. Um, I think it was 2014 in America. 2013 um, overseas. Uh, but the quick um, one-line synopsis for Snowpiercer... Uh, in a future where a failed climate change experiment has killed all life except for the lucky few who boarded the Snowpiercer, a train that travels around the globe, a new class system emerges. Okay. Um, this movie was also ironically based on a book. Uh, not necessarily a book, but uh, more or less a graphic novel. Uh, a French graphic novel. Um Let's see. I believe it was in uh, like three, three stages, three volumes rather. I think, um, based on what I could find. There's not a whole lot on the graphic novel that I could find, but uh, the graphic novel was written in 1982. So, from 1982 to the movie in 2013 or 2014, um, and. Uh, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, it had a decent cast, so I don't know if it was as widely seen as maybe, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly if my audience listening here has seen either one of these. I just assume everybody's seen these movies, but if you didn't, you know. Go watch them, because they're interesting, and you're definitely going to want to watch them. Even if you have seen them, you're going to want to watch them by the end of this episode, because uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, the only other note I'll uh, say about Snowpiercer is 
Uh, in 2020, they are going to be releasing a, a Snowpiercer uh, TV show. I don't know if it's going to be on network TV, if it's going to be Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or how it's coming out. But if you look on IMDb, there is uh, it is slated for a 2020 release. So, um, and it's based off of this movie and graphic novel. So there's that. So let me play the Snowpiercer trailer for you, and uh, I'll see you in a few minutes. This chaos. A thousand people in an iron box. 18 years I've hated the train. 18 years I've waited for this moment. This is your world. The train saved humanity. The engine lasts forever. The population must always be kept in balance. I said sit down. Passengers, eternal order. Flows from the sacred engine. We must occupy our preordained position. I belong to the front. You belong to the tail. No your Keep your place. Those bastards in the front think they own us. We'll be different when we get there. What do you say? We take the engine and we control the world. played the Willy Wonka trailer, I've played the Snowpiercer trailer, and at this point you're probably thinking, what the hell is this guy getting at? What is he trying to, uh, what is he doing, basically? Well, let me explain. So, a uh, buddy of mine, um, just, I don't even know how, I can't honestly remember how we got on the topic, um, but he, oh, I think he was talking about how he just kind of has YouTube videos playing in the background while he's at work. And uh, and it just cycles through, as YouTube does if you leave it going. You know, eventually it'll, you could start on one topic and end up, you know, four hours later on a complete different topic, just because of suggestions that YouTube decides that you need to see this. Anyways, uh, in one of these incidents where he was just having it on in the background, a video popped up, um, and the the basis of this video um, was that Snowpiercer, the movie, is actually a sequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, I know. You're probably thinking, what? That's the exact same reaction I had. Um and you just listen to both trailers, and if you've seen either one of these movies, it makes absolutely no sense. How could Snowpiercer possibly be the sequel? Um, well, the gentleman that has put together this video has uh, some pretty compelling evidence, I would say. Um uh, supposedly, the director of Snowpiercer was asked, "Hey, did you make this movie as a, you know, loosely based sequel to uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, or uh, something? You know, what were you even thinking like that when you made this, or whatever?" And uh, apparently, there has been no comment from the director. Um, 
So I don't know. I, I guess the the mystery is left, you know, for for the audience to decide. Um, however, after watching the video I'm about to play for you, uh, you'll definitely want to watch it. But the audio is fine too because he he talks you through everything as well. But uh, if you want the visual, which you probably will need the visual. If you have not seen either one of these movies in a while, um, you are going to want to get both of these movies and watch them. I would suggest back-to-back, and it's it's pretty fascinating. Like, uh, when I first heard about this, I, th- I was intrigued, but I thought, there's no way. This is nonsense. And um, after watching this, this vi- first video... You know, I was I was still kind of on the fence, and uh, then I found a second video, and it got even deeper. And after the second video, I was I would say I'm more convinced after the second video. I will play both of these videos back to back, so it'll go from the first video with this guy's theory into another video and it will expand even more on what was in the first video and uh it's there's a lot of stuff that i mean there's some stuff that you could probably say that's a stretch but there's a lot of stuff that seems a little too i don't know on purpose maybe um so I'd say without further ado, let's let me play both videos back to back. You listen and um I will check back in after both videos. So one of my favorite filmmakers is the South Korean director Bong Joon Ho. I remember seeing his film The Host when it came out in theaters when I was like sixteen and it blew my mind. His stuff is really dark and quirky and he didn't really break out in the US in a huge way until Snowpiercer came out. I really, really like Snowpiercer, but one interesting thing about it was that it reminded me of my favorite movie of all time. Okay, I may have lost a lot of you there. How could an incredibly violent R-rated movie set in the post-apocalypse from 2013 possibly remind me of a children's classic from the 1970s? Well, they're both two movies about groups of people that work their way through a large, fantastic structure. One by one, a person from the group is removed in each room until one person makes it to the very end, who then found out that the entire thing was a test because a wealthy industrialist needed to find a new successor. Okay, are you still with me? Because the more I've been thinking about it, the more I'm convinced that Snowpiercer is a sequel to Willy Wonka, and Ed Harris plays the adult version of Charlie Bucket, who took over Wonka's candy empire and who is the one who built the super train. Before I start getting into the specifics, let's take a look at the broad commonalities that these movies have. Both of the plots heavily revolve around economic class structures, children, food, and, I mean, food in a big way. I know what people taste like. Roast beef and a baked potato! Mm. But most interesting of all, both of these stories thematically examine sacrifice, choice, and free will. There are a few moments in Willy Wonka, if you think about them, play into the idea of fate and the roles that certain people are destined to fulfill. Do you ask a fish how it swims? No. Or a bird how it flies? No. No, sorry, you don't. They do it because they were born to do it. I am a hat. You are a shoe. We must, each of us, occupy our preordained particular position. Just like Willy Wonka was born to be a candy man, you look like you were born to be a wanker. Curtis, this is your destiny. Now let's look at the hard facts. 
Remember that Willy Wonka specializes in creating two different things in his factory. State-of-the-art food production. and experimental modes of transportation. And he does all of this in a factory that is completely sealed off from the outside world, meaning that Wonka has the technology to make a food-producing factory that is self-contained and self-sustaining. And this train is a closed ecosystem. Nobody ever goes in. Nobody ever comes out. With that in mind, let's try to piece together a hypothetical timeline that links these two movies. At the end of Willy Wonka, Charlie inherits the factory. He does his best to continue Wonka's philosophy of decadence and imagination. But let's suppose that Charlie ends up forsaking his last name Bucket and as an apprentice takes on the name of Wonka, specifically Wilford Wonka. And also like his teacher is sure to brand everything with a giant W. Fast forward to 2014. In an effort to combat global warming, the governments of the world agree to disperse the gas CW7. Charlie, now known as Wilford, is one of the few people that can foresee the devastating consequences of this gas, given his experience in chemistry, which is actually foreshadowed in this overlooked scene in the original Willy Wonka. Good lad, Paul. No, certainly not. This is for very big waltz. Realizing that CW7 would be too effective in cooling the planet, Charlie devised his only plan that he could to save the rest of humanity by focusing on Wonka's transportation and self-sustaining aspects and making the Snowpiercer, under the guise that it was simply just another luxury product. Saving all of humanity comes at a great cost, though. Charlie knows that the population is going to have to be strictly regulated in order to keep the train self-sustaining which is going to involve the loss of human lives. Precisely 74% of you shall die. Is it still the same number? Yes, it still stands at 74%. This important role that percentages will play in his future is once again foreshadowed in a classroom scene. Percentages. And for an example, let's take the recent unpleasantness. Surviving the near extinction of the human race causes Charlie to go completely insane and take drastic measures in order to try and preserve humanity. But it is important to note he still holds on to Wonka's sense of decadence and imagination. In fact, there's a lot of things that he borrows from Wonka's playbook. All of Wilford's shock and awe manipulation tactics were actually learned from Willy Wonka. Understood we need to maintain a proper balance of anxiety and fear chaos and horror in order to keep life going. And if we don't have that, we need to invent it. When it came time to find a successor, Wilford even borrowed Wonka's method of hiding messages inside of food. And using spies. That wasn't what Gilliam and I had in our plan. What? Oh, don't tell me you didn't know. Gilliam and I... Our plan. Come in, Mr. Wilkinson. Charlie, meet Mr. Wilkinson. Pleasure. Slugworth. No, no, that's not Slugworth. He works for me. All right, pause for a second. Feel free to call me crazy if you haven't already. But don't you think that there's a little bit more than a passing resemblance between Mr. Wilkinson, the spy hired by Willy Wonka to play Slugworth, and Gilliam, the leader of the back section of the train that was secretly working for Wilford all the time? Would it be too much of a stretch to assume that they are in fact the same person? The timelines match up and it makes sense that Wilford would refer to Gilliam as an old friend. And having it be the same character adds a layer of significance to this moment from earlier in the movie. I'm a shadow of my former shadow. My day was decades ago. And the strange thing is, he might not be the only character still alive. Fair warning, even I think this next part's a bit of a stretch, so if you want to get back to more reasonable things in this already unreasonable video, just skip to this mark. There's something weird about the passengers in first class that Wilford has in charge of the train. 
Why would these people who are insane and selfish be left in charge? Well, one could look at it as a deliberate statement of satire, or maybe these were all significant figures from Wilford's past. One of the most mysterious and enigmatic figures in Snowpiercer is the seemingly unstoppable and almost mute gunman, Franco the Elder. In a train that's supposedly run out of bullets, how is this man so skilled? Well, what if he's had an obsession with guns since he was a child? I'm Mike TV. Well, you're dead. One can easily see how this young boy with an obsession of fictional violence could grow up to become a deadly soldier. Like the killings, huh? What do you think life's all about? Mike, would you tell us a... I get a real one. I also don't think it's a coincidence that he delivers his first devastating kill on a TV screen. Maybe Charlie slash Wilford kept his fellow golden ticket winners around as an example of this twisted sense of mercy. And Wilford is divine! Wilford is merciful! Tilda Swinton gave an iconic performance as Minister Mason. But what if Minister Mason is just the future version of... I'm Veruca Salt. Now you might think I'm reaching here because these two characters don't seem that similar at first. We don't know what Veruca is like after surviving the garbage chute. Remember, her and her father were trapped together and there's a good chance she narrowly avoided getting incinerated. This could have traumatized Veruca and changed her entire outlook on life. Instead of being ungrateful, she now became too grateful, fanatically devoted to the graces of Charlie, who saved her life. You people who will suckle the generous titty of Wilford. But she still keeps her ill temper and tendency to insult people. You filthy ingrates. You're always making things difficult. Now, I understand the idea that Tilda Swinton is playing a traumatized Veruca Salt is a little thin, but there are at least two facts you can admit. They both have fur coats, and both of these characters always enter the room first. I want to go in first before anybody else. Uh, ladies first, and that means Veruca. Mr. Salt finally got what he wanted. What's that? Veruca went first. The last major member of Wilford's posse is the child catcher, Claude. And almost little to no information is given to us about this character. The clearest details we get about her are her body type, her lack of impulse control. God damn it, Claude! Mind the engine! She's getting sensitive recently. And the fact that she eats her own blood. And there's a character in Willy Wonka that exhibits all of these tendencies. The boy's name? Augustus Gloom. Both of these characters have ravenous appetites. Poor impulse control. And members of the Gloop family are known to eat even inanimate objects. Claude might just be the daughter of Augustus Gloop. As for Violet Beauregard, well, I confess she doesn't really fit into this theory. But it is worth mentioning there's another woman with a giant swollen belly. Also, there's a candy in Willy Wonka that could be seen as the precursor to the flammable waste drug Kronal. No, it's not the everlasting gobstopper. It's the exploding gum for your enemies that Mike TV eats. I told you not to, silly boy. But there's one key signature element from Willy Wonka that isn't present in this linked Snowpiercer theory. But in a weird way, the fact that it's missing proves that these two films are connected. And I'm, of course, talking about the Oompa Loompas. Surely, if this was indeed a sequel to Willy Wonka, wouldn't there be Oompa Loompas everywhere working on the train? Well, they would have been if they didn't go extinct. All of Wonka's prior transportation technology was operated by Oompa Loompas. It was operated by tiny people. The space only allows for a very small person. The engine lasts forever, but not so all of its parts. That piece of equipment went extinct recently. Maybe it was because of the climate. Maybe it's because there is no female Oompa Loompa and thus they can't procreate. But once all the Oompa Loompas died out, Wilfred Wonka needed the next best thing to keep his perpetual engine running. Small children.
this leads to one big question. Why have I been so obsessed with this? For years, I've literally wanted to make this video for years. And like, this is a really esoteric thing to keep being obsessed about. But I think there's an important reason why it's stuck in my head. It made me appreciate the fine details of these excellent movies. Like how both Wilford and Wonka greet their guests by saying, Curtis, dear boy. Charlie. My boy. And I think they make both movies more interesting. Selflessness is a very important part of Snowpiercer, and Curtis has been longing to sacrifice his arm through the entire movie. In the end, he finally achieves that selfless sacrifice, just like Charlie did at the end of Willy Wonka when he gave up the everlasting gobstopper. And it adds a twisted note to Wilford's final moment when he witnesses a sacrifice against himself that parallels his own. All he can say is... Nice. And I don't think this theory ruins the end of Willy Wonka by having Charlie turn evil. When you think about it, both movies end with a hug, and with the notion that the children are really the ones that will carry on the future for us. Sure, this is all kind of ridiculous to believe, but maybe it is true, and all it takes is a little imagination. But most importantly, if you enjoyed this video, all I ask is this. Tweet at Chris Evans. Tell him to watch this video and make him admit once and for all that Snowpiercer is a sequel to Willy Wonka. If he says it, it's canon. Because that's totally how this stuff works. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me, Curtis. And you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Let's take a look at you. And you'll Hurry. see into your imagination I recently watched a video that blew my mind. It was released by the people at Rhino Stew and explained how Snowpiercer is a sequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's a film theory they've called Wonka Piercer. Say what? It sounds far-fetched, I know, but I enjoyed their video so much I ended up watching both movies again and I noticed so many other details that I am convinced this theory is true. So I thought I would make a video to share with you all just how far this Wonka Pierce tunnel goes. Hang on, where are we going? I don't know, but I don't like to watch that tunnel up there. A tunnel? Mm-hmm. A fucking long one. I don't okay, the interactive section. I'm going to be referencing the original video a lot throughout this, so click the icon to watch if you haven't already. It's a lot of fun. Or, I've made a one minute summary of that video which begins when the timer runs out, so you can just stay exactly where you are and do nothing. Or skip ahead if you want to get straight to the juicy bit. Snowpiercer shows Charlie Bucket as an adult. He inherited Wonka's empire, branding style, and first name of Wilford. Using Wonka's knowledge he learned of food production and experimental transportation, he builds the Snowpiercer as an ark for humanity when the entire world freezes. He makes a plan with this spy, sending messages in bars of brown food, which causes a group of people to travel through his fantastic structure, getting eliminated one by one until one person is left who has chosen to be the rich industrialist's successor. He gets to inherit a food factory. I'm Mike TV. Yeah, he now works for Charlie, says the theory. And this woman who likes to go first is a future Veruca Salt. I want to go in first before anybody else. What about the Oompa Loompas, though? All of Wonka's prior transportation technology was operated by Oompa Loompas. It was operated by tiny people. The space only allows for a very small person. The engine lasts forever, but not to all of its parts. That piece of equipment went extinct recently. <laughs> There's more in the video I've left out about themes of self-sacrifice and destiny and stuff, but you get the gist. Anyway, it inspired me to dig deeper into two of my all-time favourite movies. So here's what I've discovered. Goggles on, please. Lights! Camera! The first interesting thing I noticed happens right near the beginning of Snowpiercer. Watch out for something in the shot. When it's emanating around the place. Curtis? Is this it? It's not it. Right. 
Did you see it? Look closely. This is the second time Curtis's name is spoken. According to the Wonka Pearson theory, Curtis in this film represents... Charlie Bucket. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a big old bucket right above his head. And what's cool is it actually only appears when his name is spoken. Watch it slowly. Next line comes in, and it's out of the shot. It's gone. Now, either that's one hell of a coincidence, or it's a bit of cheeky cinematic signposting from director Bong Joon-ho. This is kind of strange. Yeah, strange, Charlie, but it's fun. <laughs> Let's have a look at some of the design elements in the films. The Rhino Stew video talks about how Veruca Salt and Mason both wear fur coats. I think the colour shift from white to off-yellowish is significant, and I will return to this point later. Two? Look at the two jackets worn by Curtis and Wonka, particularly the overall shape and the double-pointed label. Did one of Wonka's old jackets make it to the back of the train? Three. Have a look at this guy's hat. Does it ring a bell? Also, Clark Middleton, the actor who plays this role, is five foot three. I mean, he's not a tall man, just saying. Four. Look at me. It seems like Wilford follows after his grandpa Joe and really likes rocking the daytime pajama look in his later life. Five. Curtis, dear boy. Come in. Aside from the fact that Wonka also addresses Charlie specifically as... My dear boy. There's something that interests me on one of the shelves here. Excuse the image quality, but what exactly is this? It looks to me like a very old faded scarf. Perhaps this one. It's terrific. We each knitted a bit. Grandma Georgina, Grandma Josephine and me. I did the end pieces with the little tassels. Charlie is wearing the scarf the first time he ever meets Wonka. And there it is in the shot when Curtis first meets Wilford. Coincidence? Six. And on the subject of Wilford, don't you think his cabin furnishings look a lot like chocolate bars? Convinced yet? What if I were to tell you that I think the parallels between the two movies extend even into the soundtrack? You'll recognise this three-note melody when I play it. It's used in the opening title sequence. You also hear it at the end of the movie as the Moncavator flies through the sky. It is, of course, the opening notes of that iconic song, Pure Imagination. Come with me, and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Well, guess what? You can also find it in Snowpiercer. Here it is 30 seconds before we cut to credits. Listen. Cool, huh? It's even in almost exactly the same tempo in both final scenes. It's used in various key places, but often with a subtle twist to make it a bit more dissonant and edgy. Here it is at the climax, with a little semitone tweak to make it a bit more post-apocalyptic. You hear this distorted version again, when the truth about Gideon is revealed. He was, uh, more than a partner, really. He was my friend. Bullshit. I don't believe you. There's a faster reworking of it in the moment after Curtis decides to break through the gates. You'll have to trust me, but that riff is completely based around a minor version of those three notes. Ryan's two put forward a hypothetical timeline which to my mind is not quite right. The events in Snowpiercer take place in 2031, which is 60 years after 1971, which would mean that Charlie Bucket or Wilford is meant to be in his mid-70s. In that case, how old is Gideon? Like, 90-plus? It feels a bit arbitrary to me, and I think there's a simpler way of explaining it. In 1964, Roald Dahl's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was first published. In 2014, Snowpiercer was released in the US, and in the film, the CW7 gas is released, which freezes the world. A 50-year gap. If you Google how old the actors were when they portrayed Charlie and Wilford, like I did, it's also a 50-year gap. I can imagine Bong Joon-ho, who was also the screenwriter, thinking along the lines of tell the story of Charlie 50 years on from the film, release the film in time for the 50-year anniversary of the book. 
Was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory also set in the future then? Like Snowpiercer, the world of imagination displayed would also have defied expectation. At the start of Snowpiercer, we learn that the gas that froze the world was called CW7. Mr. Wilford knew that CW7 would freeze the world. So what did the prophetic Mr. Wilford invent to protect the Chosen from that calamity? My question is, how did Wilford know? What if it was because he invented it? The gas is called CW7. It could have been called anything, but if this Wonka-Pierce theory is true, then maybe it stands for Charlie Wonka 7? Perhaps he kept his first name for a while. Mixed together in the right way, these three highly dangerous ingredients make the finest wart remover in the world. How do you remove warts? By freezing them. So maybe the seven here stands for... The film talks a lot about the Frozen Seven, or the Revolt of the Seven. What? There they are. That's how far they made it. From time to time, we've had to stir the pot, so to speak, the revolt of the seven. There have been times when more radical solutions were required, when the population needed to be reduced rather drastically. Did he freeze the seven because he, in fact, froze the world? And why is the Snowpiercer designed so effectively to this environment? I wonder how much Charlie was affected by growing up with Wonka as a father figure. Wonka's a recluse. He seems to despise most people and is clearly a bit insane. Did Wilford change the world so he could travel in a world of his creation? Well, it's a theory, right? Many elements of Curtis's narrative directly mirror Charlie's, although not necessarily in the same chronological order. Let's rewalk Charlie's journey. He starts in a poor background where people have to share bed space and obsesses over a mysterious man who lives behind a gate. He's always thinking about food, but he is close friends with an old man who he confides to at night. He receives a special message, which he gives to the old man to read. They travel together to an entrance, then have a violent journey through a series of doorways. A giant door slowly opens and they find themselves in a room full of strange plants and things to eat. Someone gets their body stuck in a tube, and things start looking ominous when they approach a tunnel. Our hero's next stop is a room full of strange pipes and machinery. He finds conveyor belts full of things to eat and a food machine which uses live insects. Charlie and his grandpa break away from the group and share an uplifting conversation. But Charlie is worried about losing his arm. He finds himself in a room full of eggs, where Veruca gets her covetous. <laughs> She was a bad egg. The egg decator can tell the difference between a good egg and a bad egg. On his journey, he encounters dancers, a train, and poultry. I like these scenes where everything is in monochrome with this sort of haziness in the air. I also like that it's the same colour shift we saw for Veruca's coat. For me, it's symbolic of the tonal shift between the two movies. Childishness to violent, post-apocalyptic carnage. It's the difference between Mike TV getting split up into little pieces and this guy just getting split. Would you like another cool musical moment? The song you hear at this point was famously featured in Kubrick's The Shining, but have a close listen to the lyrics. 
or sing along if you like. You see what I'm getting at here? The moment he dies, the word sweet is sung. Okay, he comes back later, but this sort of precision in the editing is really not accidental. To round off this section, our hero has a conversation with the mysterious inventor. He's taken to an antechamber of extraordinary technology. This is the great glass wonkinator, the eternal engine. He then learns three key things. I can't go on forever. I am old. So the factory's yours, Charlie. You can move in immediately. I want you to take my station. It's what you always wanted. Don't forget what happened to the man who suddenly got everything he always wanted. What happened? He lived happily ever after. Nice. So why in Snowpiercer does Curtis not get to live happily ever after? If you'll stick with me, I have a final theory about the film which might explain it. It's a bit far out, but I think it's the logical conclusion of this Wonka-Piercer idea. You may not know this, but Charlie Bucket was originally meant to be black. Roald Dahl, the author, was persuaded to change this by his publisher. But that was how the character was first imagined. With this in mind, consider Timmy in Snowpiercer. Timmy! Sweetie, come down! He also gets a bit of signposting, but think about it. He is the one who first finds the message in the food bar. He's one of the few people taken beyond the gates. He goes through a very dangerous journey at the whim of an older man. But I had to find a child. Thank goodness the tail section manufactures a steady supply of kids. He's literally lifted up out of poverty. And at the end of the story, he is free. At least he gets to inherit a food factory, or the remains of a food factory. The ending is ambiguous. Either it's death for everyone by freezing starvation or polar bear, or I like to hope that perhaps there is also some optimism. That the story ends as it first began, with a brave child who with imagination might change the world. So there you have it. Are you convinced? If you're not convinced, you're at the very least intrigued. You have to be. I don't know how you couldn't be unless you've never seen either movie and you don't give a shit. I guess that's the only way you couldn't possibly be intrigued by this. Um, I don't know. The, the There's a lot there that uh, I don't know. It's pretty compelling. Um, my opinion is, if, if the director didn't intentionally try to, you know, make a, uh, I don't think it was necessarily a sequel, but I think maybe he used the, um, the world, the no, not even though I can't, I don't know how to say that. I can't really say the world because it's it's not. That just sounds wrong, I guess. Um, the, the whole, uh, poor class of people and, uh, you know, you have to go through the steps of, you know, certain people have to die in order for you to, I don't know, it's, it's a weird kind of like basis and plot. And if you go read about the graphic novel, um, it's similar to the movie in, in that it's a train and something happened to the climate and all that, but that's about it. You know, the, the graphic novel is not like the movie at all. Um, the movie is very much Snowpiercer is very much so set. Like it could be, I, I, I don't know. There's a, there's a few issues, um, like, uh, Veruca salts age, doesn't really match up. Everybody else's age ironically matches up, but Veruca's age doesn't. So, um, you know, I, I try not to, I guess the whole point is don't think too hard about it, but it is interesting. And one thing I can tell you, cause I, after I watched both of these videos, I then had to watch Willy Wonka and I had to watch Snowpiercer. So now that 
you've watched these or listened to these videos, if you want to go watch them on YouTube and, and get your visual uh, correspondence down, you know, just go look it up. Willy Wonka uh, or uh, Snowpiercer's sequel to Willy Wonka or something like that. It's what you uh, put in on YouTube, and you'll find it and whatever. Anyways, once you watch rewatch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and then watch Snowpiercer right afterwards, you will watch Snowpiercer. If you've never seen it, you'll watch Snowpiercer thinking it is a sequel based on these particular characters being the characters from Willy Wonka, but they just changed their names. And it will be a very interesting movie as though it's a sequel with, you know, 50 years in between. If you've already seen these movies, it's watching Snowpiercer now is, is your your mindset's going to completely change because you're going to watch it as a sequel. So uh I guess this is kind of like a a warning. It, this could potentially have ruined Snowpiercer for you. Um if you had never seen Snowpiercer or if you have you won't see it the same way. I don't know how you possibly could after these videos. But, you know, maybe. I don't know. I guess everybody's different. I watched Snowpiercer, and I could not watch it without thinking, oh, yeah, this particular character's Charlie. This particular character's, uh, you know, Veruca. This, you know, it, it just, it's hard to watch it now without thinking that. Um, so, I don't know. Could potentially ruin the movies for everyone, but. I think it just makes it, uh, me personally, I think it makes it more exciting, more interesting, um, and uh, I don't know. The first time I saw Snowpiercer, I thought it was really fucking stupid, and now, to me, Snowpiercer's way more interesting because it's a sequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, anyways, so go check all that out, and... Uh, Hopefully next week we'll be back to normal and Dave will be in studio. Hopefully. Or it may be another one of these. I don't know. October is a really busy month for uh, for myself and Dave. So I thought I'd just put this out there. Something a little quick and, uh, you know, interesting. And I gave all the audience homework. So enjoy that. Uh, until next time, uh, right on left off.
please subscribe to the Detour Podcast Network on iTunes, and don't forget to rate and review while you're there. You can also download the Stitcher and Podbean app to your device for free and search Detour Podcast Network and subscribe. If you enjoy listening to the shows on the Detour Podcast Network, then spread the word to everyone you know. Your word of mouth is our best advertising method, and we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. Hey, Ryan. You know what time it is? Yeah, it's still time for the Twisted Crypt Haunted House. No way. Have they ever won any awards? Oh, my God, have they ever? This is their seventh season, and in the last six years, they've won top ten haunted house by hauntedillinois.com. Wow. What are their hours again? Oh, Fridays and Saturdays, 7 to 11.30, and Sunday, 7 to 10. But where are they located? Oh, it's easy. 5420 East State Street in Rockford, Illinois, right behind Uncle Nick's and Tom Jerry's. Awesome. I'll see you there. Hell yeah. Hey everyone, check out all the great deals on Amazon by first going to d2rpn.com and clicking the Amazon banner. By doing so, you're helping out the D2R Podcast Network. Don't forget to tell a friend, and thanks for listening. Do you have a question, comment, or concern? 872-242-8311! Or maybe you'd just like to hear your voice instead of ours. 872-242-8311. Then call the D2R Podcast Network hotline at USA Chat 311. That's 872-242-8311. 872-242-8311. No matter the time or day, you can call 24-7 and operators will be standing by. 872-242-8311. Your call is important to us. 872-242-8311. So once again, USA Chat 311. your guy or girl's got facial hair that's kind of not smelling right, not feeling right, not all that great, go to phoenixbeardoils.com today. We've got scents that every guy and girl will like, every kid likes to play with your beard, why not give them something to smell nice as well? Go to phoenixbeardoils.com and give somebody that great bird today. <laughs> 